0: Welcome to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophoris. Meredith Rojas is turning social media stars into the rock stars of Generation Z. She is co-founder and CEO of Digitours Media, which produces concerts and festivals by teens for teens, and she happens to be out with a new book. It is titled Selfie Made, Your Ultimate Guide to Social Media Stardom. Meredith, it is great to have you on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. First off, just give us an idea of what these concerts and festivals
1: are like that you started, what now, eight years ago? Yep. Um, They are, so a lot of times people say it's like Coachella for teens. Uh So they are just fan fests where you have, it's primarily girls, young girls, teens and tweens, and they're, Hysterical! They're they're crying. I've seen the video. Yes, they are. You'd think the Beatles
0: were up on stage. Yeah,
1: and they're running. I mean, I've in the earlier days, I actually ran production, and now we have a a large team, so I don't do it as much. But you know, I would be driving the golf cart, and I'd have some of the talent with me, and we'd just have like three or four thousand girls following us and trying to like stop the car. So um, (laughs) it it is absolutely thrilling and exciting, Um, and for a lot of our fans, they call it uh, the best day of their life. Really? Now, mm-hmm. you have something called, the ticket prices are are tiered, right? Yes. So
0: what, what do ticket prices start at?
1: So we keep them um, deliberately low because our audience is so young. We want them to be able to babysit and buy their own ticket if they need to. And so for a tour stop, it starts around $25. Mm. For a festival, it's about $40. And that's an all-day, like, eight-hour experience with multiple stages. So that's where our starting price is. Um, is and then it goes up and we create experiences and you know our most expensive ticket can be like over a thousand dollars. But that must that That's must like be a backstage. meet and greet. Right. Yeah. And then meet and greets actually are tiered as well. And they start for a tour stop as low as a hundred dollars and then for a festival if you want to meet lots of people, usually it's closer to two hundred. So look you're a pioneer in this area. I mean you,
0: you came you produced the first social media tour. Where did you even get the idea to do this?
1: Um so I was in the music business, and I started working um, initially at Columbia Records, looking for talent. In those days, it wasn't um, it wasn't on my phone; it was like in real life at music clubs in New York. When I was based in New York City, and then um, I left Columbia Records. I ended up managing an artist that I got signed to Capitol Records, and he had everything going for him, except what I learned later was the most important thing, mm-hmm. which is an audience. You need one of those. Um, <laughs> yep, and you know the label—they it was right as social media was becoming a thing. And what I think year are we talking about? Two thousand nine. Okay, so it was a time where they didn't really want to fully embrace it. You know, there were a few interns that were you know maintaining MySpace pages, but nobody was really like um, at a higher level because honestly the concept of a social media director or manager, or anyone with any seniority, like, didn't exist yet. Right. So um, it was really, really early days. I started to realize something was happening and it was going to be much larger. But I was young and nobody seemed to really take me seriously. Um, and it was something that I had to overcome. And I do talk about that in my book as well. But, um, you know... Finally, it was a year into it, they had done all the traditional stuff, you know, Snoop Dogg was on the single, and <laughs> we had rolled out this massive radio campaign, and they spent, I think, a million dollars on promo. Wow. Um and in all the wrong places, because the artist was 15, he needed a youth audience, and young people were starting to not care about manufactured and produced stuff. So, right. you know, a packaged-up Britney Spears on a platter was not interesting to a young person. They wanted to go discover their own Britney Spears's on YouTube or Or, you know, that was actually the only platform right then. So um, I came up with an idea while I was sitting with the president of the company. And he was going through this laundry list of everything that my artists needed in order to not get dropped. Um, One of them was finally social media plan. Mm -hmm. And number two was a tour. Um, And then he kept going. But I I just kind of stopped listening because I had this light bulb moment. And I, I thought, wait a second. Let's kill two birds with one stone. Let's create a social media tour. And I didn't say this to him in like a collaborative way. This is all going on inside my head. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I can branch
0: out on my own and do this. Yeah, I'm like, okay,
1: I got it. I got it. Um, I left, called my artist. I thought he was going to like, you know, be so ecstatic. He was going to be so happy that I had saved the day. And um, instead he fired me. Wow. (laughs) Because he, too, learned that that's not the traditional way you do it. Yeah. And there was stigma. He's like, I'm a real artist. I'm not going to tour with YouTube stars. Like, what does that even mean? Mm -hmm. Um, He just he thought he was better than that. But ultimately, he got dropped. We parted ways. And since I had no job, (laughs) I rolled up my sleeves and decided I would kind of see this idea through because – Nothing had been done like this. No tour, no experience had been created with these new native-born social stars. And um, I truly believe that these numbers were not, like, bots. Like, I thought that there were true people on the other end of that, you know, YouTube video that were really – connecting with it in a meaningful way. So we created the first ever tour. It was in 2011. YouTube was our title sponsor. And we proved the concept. We broke new ground. And if you fast forward... Eight years later, we've done a 1,000 events. Wow. We've done hundreds of thousands of tickets. So we've brought in investors and $12.5 million from Viacom, Condé Nast, Ryan Seacrest, Gaio Siri. Oh, now
0: people are listening right. to
1: Meredith <laughs> Rojas. I see how that works. And these venues, they're large venues that you're filling, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, the tours, are on average, are a few thousand. And then our festivals are, like, usually 20,000 people at a time.
0: Now, how do you sift through all of the social media stars, wannabes, and decide, yeah, you would work in one of our concerts or festivals
1: yeah I mean it's a good question because today everyone's an influencer right you know it's like a million followers isn't cool anymore um, so I think for us the the first tour it, literally we just went to the top youtubers and we reached out to them blindly mm-hmm. said, hey, we have this idea let's go on tour um, but now it's a little more um, a little more sophisticated I mean we look at data and we also trust our audience We've built up an audience of a few million for Digitour and we have a, a very fluid conversation with them where they're going to tell us who to book, where to go, what to do. And, you know, in, in many ways, I'm not even the CEO. I'm just a good listener. And I empower them. That That's why it's like four teens by teens, because I'm not a teen anymore, as much as I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> you could
0: kind of look like it if you threw a backpack on and put your uh, hair up on your head. Perfect. You have well, a useful look, Meredith. <laughs> um So your book is about sort of a how-to guide if Mm -hmm. you think that you might have what it takes to make it on the Internet. And for probably a lot of our listeners, um, they're thinking their children are the ones who would be having these career aspirations. Uh, We were actually talking offline earlier, and you were saying how is it the number one career choice for Gen Zers is what? To be a social media star okay and your book I'd have to think is going to do really well if that's the case because your book is supposedly telling folks how to do that give us some tips share some tips with us now as uh, how people can do this
1: yeah absolutely so you know I think a lot of people think it's this mysterious like thing you have to go viral in order to be a social media star like you need all of this like you know the world and the universe like sort of the win the lottery of YouTube and sure that is one way like there are three ways and I break it down in my book and I make it really simple number one is you can go viral so yes that thing that is shrouded in mystery that everyone attributes to somebody's Social media success is one of the three ways, but it's not something that you can actively plan for. Um, And if you are, then you're probably wasting your time. Mm -hmm. Um, There are things you can stack in your favor, like, um, you know, getting in the conversation, joining in on dance challenges, which are happening constantly. Right. Or challenges like... this is a slightly older one, but some of the stars that I talk about in my book who actually contribute and I'm friends with, they broke through with the don't judge me challenge. OK. So it's these little things where all of a sudden they catch fire. Everyone does it. They they do a video and um, – And what is it, there's something about their video that's going to stick out? Well, because it's a hashtag that sort of um, all of these videos are connected by, once it starts trending, people go to that hashtag and they search the content. And so if you have a good piece of content and you jump in early, like if you're, I always joke, like if your grandma's already posted like the In My (laughs) Feeling Challenge, like you've missed the boat. It's probably too late. Like no one's going to discover you at that point. Right. But if you can get in really early, like right as it's starting to take off, um, you know, you can piggyback on the the sort of collective social media conversation that's taking place, and that can give you a, a better shot. So that's within sort of like the trying to go viral, stacking the odds in your favor, and I go into more detail in the book. Number two is you can be a big fish in a small pond. What, I, what this means, and it, you know, this can apply to all facets of life, but it certainly applies to social media too, um, if you're going to upload content to YouTube, which has more content on it than you could even consume in a lifetime, mm-hmm. the chances of you standing out, getting any attention or having YouTube kind of give you love as a platform, it's like small to none it's a needle in a haystack, Meredith, <laughs> let's get real. Yeah, you're probably not going to get any traction. So right. I say, still make content there. You shouldn't just abandon it, but you shouldn't look at that as your ticket. Your ticket will probably come from a newer platform that has an audience that's much more sizable than yours. Um, Musically, not too long ago when they first launched, um, which is now TikTok, they they had some creators that joined early. One of them... Um, is baby Ariel. So she joined early, she spent her time on the platform, she created content, and that meant for her a little bit later, 25 million followers. She's now signed to RCA. She has her own book out. She has really built a a significant career where, you know, she's making a a really good living Mm -hmm. and she's built a brand that matters and resonates with this audience. So she invested her time. And I always tell the people that are just getting started that ask my advice, I say, think like an investor. Mm-hmm. Where you don't have leverage. You don't have an audience yet. But you do have time. And these new platforms need people like you. So if you go and spend your time and invest your time in creating content for this new platform, if you believe in it, mm-hmm. then it can pay off if it turns out to be the next Musical.ly. Um and there is a platform that i have been telling a lot of people about which is firework cuz i was going to say how many you know what's new out there what are you keeping your
0: eye on so firework firework yeah okay. so it's
1: like it's very creator central they they want to help creators get exposure so they have a million and a half people on the app right now hmm. they're just getting started 6 months in but a million and a half is a real audience. Right. A lot more than somebody who's just starting out as an individual who wants to be a creator. What are they known for? What is Is it musical? It's like Musical.ly. Okay. In a way, it's 15-second videos. And you can do comedy. You can do music. You can do dancing. I, I just started putting some stuff up there, and I'm going to be doing um, just tips and tricks. <laughs> okay. So that doesn't fall into any category, but it, they're encouraging everybody who's a creator to – to put stuff up. And and it's great because they have challenges. They have um, a a way to collaborate with other people. They have tools that are really, um, you know, helpful for a new creator. So if you could spend time on a platform like that where you have a much better chance of having the platform reach out to you, help you get featured, help give you exposure, um, all of a sudden you could have the same experience that baby Ariel had where you're getting these boosts and then you're gaining traction and, you know, while you sleep. How
0: important is it to be on multiple platforms or should you are you better
1: off focusing on just one? Um, well so I always say that you know you can't just be on one platform but you will absolutely find one platform you like the best right now most people prefer Instagram I mean it's just like the favorite across the board as mm-hmm. far as like my own research and my friends and myself um, but you know, there's more to share in more formats. And so never cut and paste and syndicate your content, the same content across platforms. Each platform has a unique sort of format and a way to, and a best practice for how to deliver it. But, you know, use those other platforms to tell your whole story. Use them to direct back to the content that you put on your favorite platform. Okay. And each platform will have a slightly different audience because everyone's going to find one they like a little better themselves. So it's a way to just kind of stay active across the board, and it is important. You can't just kind of, like, shut the door on every other um, platform.
0: I haven't heard you mention Snapchat in all of this. What's your take, and is it worth um, social aspiring social media stars to bother with Snapchat?
1: So Snapchat is super important um, as a chat function. Um, I have gotten into very hot debates over the fact that I don't believe that Snapchat has native-born stars. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to get discovered, if you want to build an audience from scratch, it's not a platform that's going to help you achieve that. Okay. It is a platform where you're going to have streaks with your friends, you're going to talk to them, you're going to post stories, and it's probably one of the most fun platforms that a lot of young people want to be on and stay on. Uh, but it's not a great place, in my opinion, to gain new followers. Um, so I'm wondering how one
0: even decides which platform is right for them. Because as you were saying, each is unique. And maybe they have either unique audiences or a, a unique way of for them to engage with their audience.
1: Yeah. So I think it's just trial and error. I think you need to, um, I think, first step, you know, back to one of your earlier questions, like, open your different open an account on each have a username that matches on each so that there's some consistency Mm -hmm. and then just start posting content so that you can figure out um, you know which one kind of is the best place for you and your skills and the way that you like to communicate with others and connect with others Um, and then ultimately if there's a few that like you just oh like recently more than recently I've had sort of my own Twitter. uh, I've been on like a Twitter break because I just. I feel like it as a platform at one time was really important and it was a great way to communicate. But I feel like a lot of people have left Twitter and also just with posting stories on Instagram and focusing a lot of time and energy there and a lot of other people doing the same thing, it almost feels naked to just post text. It's like (laughs) I need to have some video or some photo or something visual to accompany it. Um, So just like a general sort of... Um, you know, I've been on a break, but I need to like get back on it because it's still relevant and it shouldn't be ignored. And so I'm, you know, I need to take my own advice and get back on Twitter for sure. You know, as a as a parent of three, I see
0: my children on social media all the time Mm. and I worry. I worry about how long they're spending on social media. I'm wondering uh, the connections they're making on social media. How do you sort of help to change the narrative and the way people sort of this negative stigma that comes with social media. If it is if it is indeed the number one you know, job choice for Gen Z, I think the older generations need to start making peace with it.
1: Of course. Yeah, I think that it's one of those things that scares a lot of parents and for good reason. I mean, the Internet is an entire a other world, right? And so there are really bad things and there are really great things. So of course, you need to monitor what your child is doing because um, there are safety concerns. But it has been a mission of mine to change the narrative that social media is completely negative because I've seen it firsthand create so many wonderful results. And it's made young people find themselves at an earlier age, build their confidence, they've built brands, they've built businesses, they've accelerated their interests. And so I've seen all these positive effects where say that again. I've seen all these positive effects where, you know, young people have actually um, grown tremendously. And so my mission is also to help educate these young people about how to use it in a safe creative and entrepreneurial way Mm -hmm. um you know and also too along the way since i can be an adult in the room as well as appeal to the younger people talk to parents about how you know this is something that can be um sort of a crash course on becoming an entrepreneur for a young person. Mm -hmm. And if you're a parent and your child's expressing interest in becoming a social media star, rather than just write it off and say, okay, you know, make some silly videos, you can work with them and turn it into an entrepreneurial endeavor. And you can monetize it. And many of the people I work with, you know, they're making millions and millions of dollars a year.
0: And are they doing that because sponsors, companies have realized what they're doing and they're using them to sort of help
1: get their message across? That's a part of the monetization um, strategy. Another part is some of these kids are creating merchandise. Once they have an audience, they can do a zillion things to monetize that audience. So um, if they have, and, and it, an audience can range. It can be, really 50,000 or 25,000 hardcore people who really support you. It could be 25 million. And I've seen the whole gamut. Um, And you could create merchandise. Some of our talent that we've seen, they do $50,000 a month in t-shirt sales online.
0: Unbelievable.
1: Um, You know, they get paid six figures from brands to incorporate the brand message into their content. Mm -hmm. Um, They make millions of dollars touring. There's a lot of ways to, they license their brand. You know, we've seen so many ways to kind of They're basically mini Ryan Seacrests, right? That's a (laughs) good way to describe it. Yeah, media moguls. Yeah, Um,
0: give me some. I mean, you work with so many of these internet stars, but give me an example or two of people who you feel are really doing it right, and maybe you know, and you could put out there as sort of an example to those up and comers.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, somebody who I've worked with and who is a little bit older now, um, but I, I sort of played a part in his career when he was, I guess this was back a couple of years. His name's Connor Franta. So I really respect how his approach to being a social media star because he's been so entrepreneurial about it and um, meaningful. You know, it's easy once you have traction and you have people reaching out to you and DMing you, Hey, I'm going to send you free stuff or hey, here's $500. Can you just tweet this? And like, you could get caught up in all of that and that could amount to a few thousand dollars and some t-shirts, or you could be really thoughtful about how you're going to grow your audience and monetize it and be like Connor, who um he had two best-selling books. He has a um record label that um, curates music through uh, basically takes non-music talent who are big influencers and they play effectively playlist their favorite songs but Hmm. he does these compilations so it's like now that's what I call music-esque Okay. Um, So he does that, and it's been great. And I know he had a clothing line at one point in Urban Outfitters. He had a direct-to-consumer coffee company. My, my. So it was owned and operated. He thought about how he could use his influence and and plant seeds. And that's, I think, the smartest way to do it.
0: Interesting. I love what he's doing with the music. I would imagine he needs the rights to that music to do that, though.
1: Yeah. So a lot of the music's actually up-and-coming artists. So the labels were... Happy to get this. Probably at this point, they're like, I'll pay you. I don't even know the the way that it's working. But it was just genuinely stuff that cool indie music. And he was, you know, helping to shine a light because he had the audience. And with so much music, so much content, so much stuff on the Internet, having somebody who is a trusted voice say, here, you like what I like. Here's some amazing music. And his concept actually really worked because they, they wanted that.
0: So speaking of music, you yourself now have a record label. That's got to be pretty amazing for you. I mean, given where you've come from, starting out in the music world as a producer, tell us about that partnership with Disney. Mm -hmm. That's exciting.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think for me, just the, the whole last eight years have been a whirlwind, right? So like this space of social media influencers and kind of being on the forefront and seeing firsthand their power, and also understanding just living and breathing the audience and what they want and learning about what um, what really motivates them. And I- I've realized a couple things. You know, the thing I didn't know when I first had that artist signed to Capitol, that he needed an audience. And sort of it took me some time to think of a way to get him there, but it was too too little too late, mm-hmm. is what this label is built on. It's built on audience first. And, you know, we're not just signing people who have an audience and no talent. We're trying to find audience first, which is our whole mission is, um, you know, digital first talent, and then really finding somebody who, who we believe we could work with and take to the next level. So we signed an artist, Max and Harvey, who are incredible. They're twins from the UK and they sing and they just they're amazing so we just launched their single it's out on Spotify now Trade Hearts and being able to come full circle and think about um a smarter way um an audience driven way to to sort of um Launch a music project is is absolutely amazing. So again, how did you find them? You worked backwards. You
0: wanted to see if they had a big enough audience.
1: It's all about audience. So for right. and a lot of the projects I do across the board, that's the number one requirement. Maybe because I'm so scarred from what happened with <laughs> my artists on Capital. Right. Um, but yeah, just taking the guesswork out and saying, I don't need to be the, you know, stuffy person in the boardroom making decisions for, you know, a culture that I'm not a part of. It's the opposite. I want to be in that culture. I want to be obsessed with that culture. And, you know, I want them to tell me what they want. And I just want to, like, deliver it. So that's what we do with our concerts. And then on the music side, that's what we're doing with, you know, the signings. So Max and Harvey. They started to bubble up. They were on Musical.ly. Musical.ly literally was responsible for all the big stars of the last two years. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they broke through on that platform, and everyone started talking about them. Um, We booked them on Digitour. We got to work with them in that capacity. And I just had goosebumps. I I knew that they had something special, and they stood out from everyone else. So I thought they would be a great first signing for
0: our label. But, of course, that's, you know— that's the problem for for these folks is, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? So wait a minute, you're telling me I need a really big audience before I can start to really shine, I guess, or grow? I mean, you know, how does one go about, I guess I would imagine you need a very clear message. I mean, shouldn't you be going into this understanding what your message is and what you are trying to convey to an audience to attempt to build an audience, to build a following?
1: Totally, and I think a lot of these kids they don't even think about it right because right. it's just second nature they are born they're they were born with these cell phones in their hands basically right um, so it's just fun initially but then when they take this step and they say hey I you know I have friends and I have family who follow me and maybe I get thirty or forty likes on my Instagram photos uh, but how do I pour gas on this fire? How do I make this a career? And how do I emulate the success of some of the people I admire and follow? So that's when I the first question I ask talent I work with is like, why is someone who doesn't know you personally going to want to follow you?
0: Great question. You
1: have to answer it. Right. Mm hmm. And so makes you think. Yeah, it forces does. Forces you to think, yeah. Be- Because I think then all of a sudden they realize, like, why would I want to follow somebody? And so, you know, figuring mm-hmm. out and extracting from what they want to post or what their skills are, um, you know, what their brand is. And so I teach a lot of these young people. And I'm on a tour right now doing tons of, like, um, talks and workshops and speaking to thousands of young people. And this is one of the things that we work on together in these large sessions is – what is your brand? And what does it even mean? How do you explain a, a personal brand to a 12 year old? Um, you know, and so we've been, I've been breaking that down for them and trying to help them understand. You have to really be specific. Find your niche, and then you can start posting, and then slowly you'll build your audience. And there's all these tips of how you can get your own little micro boosts to okay. to supercharge it. Because it is a tipping point for a lot of these young people when finally people they don't know personally do start following them.
0: That's when I think you've crossed over, right? When yeah. just your your immediate group of friends are not the only ones following you. And what I'm hearing though is that a lot of this. Um, can be said for whatever industry you're trying to get into you know you're being entrepreneurial and that is really at the crux knowing who your audience is putting yourself in their position and saying what would I want out of this product this experience right so a lot of it is still good old-fashioned business
1: yeah absolutely and that's going back to why this is a positive thing for young people and why parents are starting to get on the bandwagon is wait a second this is not just you know wasting time posting selfies despite the name of my book it's actually a play on being self-made it's about being an entrepreneur and it's about thinking about it almost like you know Instagram or whichever platform is a game of entrepreneur for your child and you can teach them um, how to how to kind of grow and what it means and how we can ultimately monetize some of what they're doing and that you know they could build brands and build businesses using the internet with Wi-Fi and an idea and, and they can do that before they're even you know graduating high school mine are talking to me already about it. <laughs> I hear you
0: so you're in LA now yes. right are you where are you from originally so I grew up on the East Coast in New York and Connecticut and you're an NYU gal. I am, yes. So am I. Oh, awesome. We're both just a few blocks away from our alma mater. Um, what's next? I mean, DigiTours has grown leaps and bounds in since you founded it, I guess, less than a decade ago. Yep. So what is next? You've got the record label we know. That's fairly new. Unless you're just sort of happy where things are right now.
1: Uh, I think that um, I just am constantly focused on... Um, what hasn't you know holes in the market, right? So when I started Digitour, this hadn't been done, and it was one of these things that was so exciting because it was a concept I had to prove, but it proved to be something that had a lot of traction. And so I think with Selfie Made, um, Digitour is still producing festivals, and and it's absolutely like a big part of my life. But with Selfie Made, I also feel like I'm experiencing some of that what I experienced with DigiTour almost a decade ago, which is, there's a need for this. There are no resources out there for That's these right. young people. And the largest demographic in the entire country is Gen Z now. We, they just outpace millennials. That's correct. So there's millions and millions and millions of young people who want to understand this and want to learn. And so Selfie Made began as a book, and it was at, it's out now, um, but now it's also a podcast. Okay. And it will be launching the first week in, of November um, with podcast 1. Great. And it's also we're we're launching a camp. So next summer we're going to be doing one week in New York, one week in LA, crash course on how you can become a social media star. Well, you have got your finger <laughs> on the pulse.
0: You are like the queen of monetization. I can't help myself. <laughs> I like building brands. <laughs> All right, great. Well, this has been a lot of fun and uh, of course this is this is an industry that continues to evolve and you'll be a big part of it. Meredith Rojas of Digitours, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. Be sure to rate, review and share this podcast and remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode.